0: Do you know how American mobster Bugsy Siegel met his fate? Siegel was an influential figure and founder of organized crime syndicate Murder Incorporated. He later became a driving figure for the development of the Las Vegas Strip, and most notably, the Flamingo Hotel. But on the night of June 20, 1947, Bugsy Siegel was shot dead by a sniper through one of the windows of his mistress's 1928 eclectic Italianate-style mansion in Beverly Hills. His murder remains unsolved. Welcome, to Nightmare Houses. Benjamin Bugsy Siegel was born on February 28, 1906 In Brooklyn, New York He was the second of five children Of a poor Jewish family That immigrated to the U.S. From what was then Austria-Hungary His parents, Max and Jenny Siegel Often worked for very little pay As a young boy, Siegel left school And joined a gang on Lafayette Street On the Lower East Side of Manhattan At first, he did petty thefts Until he met Mo Sedway And they started a small racket With pushcart owners He built a lengthy criminal record as a teenager, including armed robbery, rape, and murder, then Siegel befriended Mayor Langsy, who formed a small mob whose activities expanded to gambling and car theft. Langsy, who had already had run-ins with Charles Lucky Luciano, saw a need for the Jewish gangs of his Brooklyn neighborhood to organize in the same manner as the Italians and the Irish. The first person he recruited for his gang was Siegel. Siegel became involved in bootlegging within several major East Coast cities during Prohibition. He also worked as the mob's hitman, and Lanxie hired him out to other crime families. The two formed the Bugs and Mayer Mob, which handled hits for the various bootleg gangs operating out of New York and New Jersey. The gang kept themselves busy by hijacking the liquor cargoes of rival outfits and were known to be responsible for the killing and removal of several rival gangland figures. Siegel was an old friend of Al Capone, and they were close. When there was a warrant out for Capone's arrest on a murder charge, Siegel allowed him to hide out with an aunt. Siegel first smoked opium during his youth and quickly became involved in the drug trade. By age 21, Siegel was making a lot of money, and he wasn't hiding it. He purchased an apartment at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel and a large Tudor home in Scarsdale, New York. He wore flashy and designer clothes and actively participated in New York City nightlife. By 1929, Siegel married Esther Krakauer, his childhood sweetheart. They would go on to have two daughters, Millicent and Barbara. Despite his marriage, Siegel had a reputation as a womanizer. Meanwhile, in Beverly Hills, California, local builder J.J. Fox designed an eclectic Italianate-style mansion complete with an Italian-style garden thought to be a replica of a famous garden in Victoria, British Columbia in 1928. The main house is over 7,000 square feet, and it's an eclectic blend of Italianate and Spanish Mission architectural styles. The facade is symmetrical, with three tall, large arched openings leading to enclosed balconies with decorative wrought iron railings on the upper levels on both ends of the structure. The lower stories have groupings of large arch windows as well. The bracketed cornice work is detailed and intricate. The most prominent feature is a massive center tower, which is surrounded by dual, sunken, narrow, two-story tall surrounding windows. It's a white stucco exterior with a Spanish red-tiled low-pitched hip roof broken into several roofline balconies. There are seven bedrooms and five bathrooms, and it sits on just over half an acre of land. The mansion included a tea house and a large pool surrounded by palm trees, flowers, and shrubs. J.J. Fox designed and sold many homes in the Beverly Hills area. Little is known about the interior of the mansion. Still, one can imagine ornate and decorative fireplaces, sconces, woodwork, and other intricate details throughout most Beverly Hills mansions of the era. The 1920s was a period of intense population growth, and many wealthy families were moving to the West Coast during the 1920s. It was in May 1929 that Augustus Darwin Curtis, president of Curtis Lighting Incorporated, originally from Chicago, purchased the large estate. The Curtis family planned to use the residence as a vacation home, spending summers at Lake Geneva and winters in Beverly Hills. Sadly, Curtis would only spend a short time at his home at 810 North Linden Drive in Beverly Hills. On April 30th, 1931, Curtis died suddenly at his Beverly Hills estate at age 72. His wife and children owned the estate for 12 more years before his wife decided to return to their native Chicago. It was sold in May 1943 for $75,000 to Mrs. Fern Mayers. but Mrs. Mayers didn't seem to want the house. It was listed for sale again in late October 1943. The next owner of 810 North Linden Drive was stage and radio actor George Jessel. Like the previous owner, Jessel only owned the home a short time, selling it in October of 1944 to Patricia Ala Mempham for $37,000, a noticeably lower price than what Mrs. Myers originally purchased a year earlier. Again, ownership was another quick turnaround, and the property was on the market in the summer of 1945. By this time, it was listed not for sale, but for rent. Meanwhile, back on the East Coast, Bugsy Siegel had become a prominent figure in the mob and the underworld, steadily making a name for himself. He had his ties to Luciano and Frank Costello, future bosses of the Genovese crime family. Siegel was allegedly one of the four gunmen who shot New York mob boss Joe Masseria to death on Luciano's orders on April 15, 1931. On September 10th of that year, Luciano hired four Bugs and Mayor mob gunmen to murder Salvatore Maranzano in his New York office, establishing Luciano's rise to the top of the Mafia and marking the beginning of modern American organized crime. Following Maranzano's death, Luciano and Lansky formed the National Crime Syndicate, an organization of crime families that brought power to the underworld. The commission was established to divide Mafia territories and prevent future gang wars. With his his associates, Segal formed Murder Incorporated. Siegel's only conviction was in Miami. On February 28, 1932, he was arrested for gambling and vagrancy, and, from a roll of bills, he paid a $100 fine. But it was during this period that Siegel disagreed with Fabrizio Brothers, associates of Waxy Gordon. Gordon had hired the Fabrizio Brothers from prison after Langsy and Siegel gave the IRS information about Gordon's tax evasion, which led to his imprisonment in 1933. Siegel hunted down and killed the Fabrizios after they attempted assassination on him and Lanxie by penetrating Siegel's heavily secured Waldorf Astoria suite with a bomb. In 1935, Siegel assisted Luciano's alliance with Dutch Schultz and killed rival loan sharks Louis Pretty Amberg and Joseph C. Amberg. Siegel had learned from his associates that he was in danger. Earlier established alibis had become questionable and his enemies wanted him dead. In the late 1930s, the East Coast mob sent Siegel to California. Since 1933, he had traveled to the West Coast several times, and in California, his mission was to develop a syndicate-sanctioned gambling racket with the Los Angeles family boss, Jack Dranga. Once in Los Angeles, Siegel recruited gang boss Mickey Cohen as his chief lieutenant. Knowing Siegel's reputation for violence, Dranga accepted a subordinate role. Siegel claimed to earn his living on tax returns through legal gambling at Santa Anita Park. Still, he soon took over Los Angeles's number racket and used money from the syndicate to help establish a drug trade route for Mexico and organized circuits with the Chicago Outfits Wire Service. By 1942, $500,000 a day came from the syndicate's bookmaking wire operations. In 1946, because of the problems with Siegel, the Outfit took over the Continental Press and gave the percentage of the racing wire to Dranga, which infuriated Siegel. Despite his complications with the wire services, Siegel controlled several offshore casinos and a central prostitution ring. He also maintained relationships with politicians, businessmen, attorneys, accountants, and lobbyists who fronted him. In Hollywood, Siegel was welcomed in the highest circles and befriended movie stars. He was known to associate with George Raft, Clark Gable, Gary Cooper, and Cary Grant, as well as studio executives Louis B. Mayer and Jack L. Warner. Actress Jean Harlow was a friend of Siegel and godmother to his daughter Millicent Siegel gained the admiration of young celebrities, including Tony Curtis, Phil Silvers, and Frank Sinatra In Hollywood, Siegel worked with the syndicate to form illegal rackets He devised a plan of extorting movie studios He would take over local trade unions and stage strikes to force studios to pay him off So that unions would start working again Siegel borrowed money from celebrities and did not pay them back Knowing they'd never ask him for it During his first year in Hollywood He received more than $400,000 In loans for movie stars alone In 1946, Siegel Was financing his mistress Virginia Hill's rented mansion At 810 North Linden Drive In Beverly Hills In 1946, he also found an opportunity To reinvent his image And diversify into a legitimate businessman With William R. Wilkerson's Flamingo Hotel For the past few years, Siegel had been lined things up in Las Vegas, while his lieutenants worked on a business policy to secure all gambling in Los Angeles. By May 1946, he decided that the agreement with Wilkerson had to be altered to give him control of the Flamingo. With the Flamingo, Siegel would supply the gambling, the best liquor and food, and the biggest entertainers at reasonable prices. He believed these attractions would lure in the high rollers and thousands of vacationers willing to gamble smaller amounts. Wilkerson. Was eventually coerced into selling all the stakes in the flamingo under the threat of death. From this point, the flamingo became syndicate-run. It was also from this point that Siegel began a spending spree. He demanded the finest building that money could buy during post-war shortages. As costs soared, his checks began to bounce. By October 1946, the Flamingo's costs were above $4 million. By 1947, the costs were over $6 million. Siegel's violent reputation did not help his situation. He later announced to his colleagues that he was running the California syndicate and would return the loans in his own good time. Despite Siegel's defiance of the mob bosses, they were patient with him because he always had proven to be a valuable man. The Flamingo Hotel opened on December 26, 1946, when only the casino, lounge, theater, and restaurant were finished. Although local people attended the opening, very few celebrities did. A handful drove from Los Angeles in the bad weather. Guests were welcomed by construction noise and a lobby draped with drop cloths. The air conditioning system, kept breaking down. While gambling tables were operating, the luxury rooms that would have served as lore for people to stay and gamble were not ready. As word of losses made its way to Siegel during the evening, he became angry and verbally abusive, throwing out at least one family. After two weeks, the Flamingo's gaming tables were $275,000 in the red, and the entire operation shut down in late January 1947. After being granted a second chance, Siegel Siegel did everything possible to make the Flamingo a success by renovating and obtaining good press. He hired a publicist, and the hotel reopened on March 1, 1947 and soon began turning a profit. However, by the time profits began improving, the mob bosses above Siegel were tired of waiting. Oney Virginia Hill was born on August 26, 1916 in Alabama. When she was eight, she moved to Marietta, Georgia with her mother and siblings after her parents separated. She completed the 8th grade, then dropped out of school. In November 1931, when she was 15, she married 16-year-old George Randall. In 1933, Hill left Georgia for Chicago with Randall, hoping to enter the pornography business. Once in Chicago, the couple separated and divorced the following year. Hill found a job as a waitress at the mob-run San Carlo Italian Village exhibit during the 1933 Century of Progress Chicago's World Fair. She supplemented her income as a sex worker. Virginia Hill came to the attention of a wealthy bookmaker and gambler, Joseph Epstein, who was said to have become her financial advisor and possibly her lover, though there were rumors regarding Epstein's sexuality. Ultimately, she entered the Chicago Outfit Crime Organization. She was a mistress to members of the Chicago Mob and served as a courier to pass messages between mobsters. Eventually, Virginia Hill became associated with Charles Fischetti, a cousin and bodyguard of Al Capone. Fischetti sent her to New York to keep tabs on Luciano's family capo, Joe Adonis, which she did by becoming his lover in 1945, while in New York, she was introduced to another Luciano associate, Benjamin Bugsy Siegel, and they ended up in a hotel together that night. They both went to Hollywood, where they began their torrid affair. Hill began living in the eclectic-style mansion at 810 North Linden Drive in Beverly Hills in the summer of 1945. On June 16, 1947, Virginia Hill took an unscheduled flight to Paris, France, while Siegel remained in Las Vegas. Vegas. Chicago ordered Hill to leave Las Vegas and to tell Siegel she would buy wines for the Flamingo in Paris Siegel called a charter plane pilot to fly her solo to Los Angeles Rumors had been swirling that Siegel had skimmed $2 million of the Flamingo's building costs and gave it to Hill to hide in a Swiss bank Those around him in May and early June of 1947 saw a man worried about how to pay off his debts and a man who needed to take a few days off from his stress. A few days after Hill left, Siegel flew to Los Angeles for the Beverly Hills Mansion Virginia lived in. Siegel arrived in Los Angeles early on June 20, 1947. The lease at 810 North Linden Drive was about to end at the end of the month, and Siegel needed to retrieve some of his clothes at the mansion. He had also scheduled a meeting with publicist Paul Price and his lawyer Joe Ross to discuss a promotion campaign for the Flamingo. His daughters, Millicent and Barbara, were going to be going to join him in Los Angeles for a vacation. He had divorced his wife, Esta, the previous August, and this would be the first time since October he would get to see his girls. That evening, Siegel went to dinner with his friend, Alan Smiley, Virginia Hill's brother, Chick, and Virginia's secretary, Jerry Mason, who was engaged to Chick. Smiley drove everyone back to the mansion on North London Drive, where he and Siegel relaxed on a sofa and read newspapers. Jerry Mason and Chick Hill went upstairs. Siegel and Smiley chatted in the living room, oblivious that someone was right outside the living room window, to their right. A 30 caliber military carbine rested on the trellis just outside the window. The muzzle was estimated to be less than 14 feet from Siegel. A little before 11 p.m., someone fired nine rounds into the living room. One hit the bridge of Siegel's nose and knocked out his left eye, which went sailing across the room. Another round hit him in the right cheek, and two hit him in the chest. The other rounds hit the wall behind Siegel. One of the rounds had gone through Smiley's jacket, but he was not wounded. He told the police that he had heard the glass shattering and ducked. He wasn't aware of how many shots were fired, but when he looked at Siegel, he knew he had been hit many times. Some neighbors rushed into the street after hearing the shots and saw a car that raced away from the driveway of the house just next door. Chick Hill called the police, who arrived on the scene within minutes. Police and others knew that at least a hundred people wanted Siegel out of the way. The police photos that were published in newspapers offer the only glimpse into the mansion. Virginia Hill stated she first heard about Siegel's death from a fellow reveler during a party on a boat while in Paris, there was speculation that the mob warned her of Siegel’s impending murder. Following his death, Hill married Hans Hauser, an Austrian skier in 1950, and they had a son. There were many questions about the motive for killing Siegel. Perhaps he crossed the wrong person in narcotics trafficking or struggling to control the horse race wire service. Perhaps he spent too much of the mob's money completing the Flamingo Hotel or from skimming the cash. Perhaps someone killed him for Virginia Hill. It was widely known Siegel mistreated her. No matter the reason, police quickly determined that Siegel's shooter may never be identified. The attack damaged the mansion, windows were shattered, and police found bullet holes in the walls. But just one month after the murder, the property was on the market for rent. In May 1950, Juan Romano, the owner of the property and the man who had rented to Virginia Hill a few years earlier, was now living in the mansion. Romano had lit a cigarette in bed at around 1am, which resulted in a smoldering mattress. By 9.13am that morning, neighbors called the authorities to report smoke billowing from the upper windows. Romano had to be rescued by firefighters from the second-story bedroom. The property ultimately suffered over $50,000 worth of damage from the fire. Shortly after, a private sale for furnishing, rugs, and china and other fine items were held at the estate. It was on sale by March 1951, with the asking price reduced over the next few months until it finally sold. In 1951, Virginia Hill was subpoenaed to testify before the Kefauver hearings where she denied having any knowledge of organized crime, even though Time Magazine had just labeled her Queen of the Gangster Malls. She was indicted for income tax evasion in 1954, but moved to Europe, where she lived the rest of her life. Hill committed suicide by an overdose of sleeping pills in Austria on March 24, 1966, at the age of 49. Since Siegel's death, the home has changed ownership over the past several decades and remains privately owned, with nothing notable occurring there since. Today, the residence looks nearly identical to how it looked when originally built. However, the interior remains a mystery, as does the murder of Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. There were a lot of people who wanted him dead, for many reasons. It's ironic that one of the founders of Murder Incorporated and a professional hitman ultimately met the same fate. But perhaps there's also something more sinister about the mansion, from the sudden death of the first owner, Augustus Curtis, and subsequent lack of long-term ownership, the large windows in proximity to nearby houses, which provided an opportunity to take Siegel out, and the fires several years later indicate the property could simply be cursed. In fact, Howard Hughes, the legend aviation enthusiast and philanthropist, crashed one of his planes into two homes across the street from 810 North Linden on July 7th, 1946. The crash nearly killed Hughes. Whether Curtis or Siegel haunt the 1928 eclectic Italianate-style mansion remains unknown, but it will always be where these men who lived very different lives, died. We'll never know who killed Bugsy Siegel, but his fate was sealed no matter where he was. Thank you for listening to Nightmare Houses. For more information, including photos and references, please visit www.nightmarehouses.com. Until next time, goodbye.